Right now on Matter of Fact, President Biden's balancing act on immigration. We are not saying don't come. We are saying don't come now. Can the president reverse his predecessor's policies without creating a rush on the southern border? Last night, there was over 100 individuals that came in. Plus, you said that you presided over a process that destroys families. Yes, I've said that. The judge who wants to help reunite hundreds of migrant children still separated from their parents. Then, he fought for his country. Now he's fighting to save his land. I think the United States government should be ashamed of himself. Homeowners in the path of the border wall get a reprieve. But for how long? I'm Soledad O'Brien. Welcome to Matter of Fact. Since taking office, President Joe Biden has tried to move quickly on a campaign promise to overhaul the country's immigration policies. With executive orders, he paused construction of the border wall, created a task force to reunite migrant children separated from their parents at the border, and is allowing asylum seekers who were sent to Mexico to wait for their U.S. court dates back into the country. He's drawn criticism from conservatives and he's facing challenges from members of his own party. We wanted to look beyond the politics to see how policy affects people on the ground. Our correspondent Jessica Gomez traveled to Las Cruces, New Mexico to talk to federal judge Robert Brack. He wants the new administration and the public to see what he sees every day. I have felt uh, from the first day being asked to consider a judgeship that I've been called to this position. For 18 years, U.S. District Court Judge Robert Brack has made the walk to his courtroom. Appointed by George W. Bush, most of his cases involve immigration. I see the criminal side of immigration, cases uh, that involve people that have been deported from the United States. Uh, typically Mexican citizens, oftentimes Central American, uh, and they, uh, they've come back without permission. The federal courthouse in which he presides in Las Cruces, New Mexico, surrounded by mountains, and more than 40 miles to the south, the Mexican border. We've got numerous agents patrolling right on the line. A border state with border issues. Today, a breach in the wall. Last night, in this area here, there was over 100 individuals that came in. These two men from Ecuador captured for a third time, trying to get to work in New York. Nearby, on the Mexican side of the wall, one of hundreds of stone border monuments, once the only markers separating the two countries. It represents the United States and Mexico, the coming together of our, at our border. Judge Brack, like so many of his defendants, caught between cultures and ever-changing immigration policies. I'm enforcing a law that, uh, that people know uh, that they've broken, but my frustration is that we keep moving the target. Are you able to hear me? In an often grueling and predictable routine, Judge Brack hands down his sentences. Now in an empty courtroom, his defendants appearing virtually from detention centers throughout the state. I see hardened criminals, but most of the people that I see are, um, are not those. Most of the people I see, you know, are just salt of the earth people that don't have criminal histories and they're coming here to work. The people that I'm talking about have been here for years because we looked the other way. 
because we wanted them here, we needed them here. But then policy changes, and they go from being someone who was welcomed here to being a felon. Can we have it both ways as a country? We want them here, but they're criminals and we don't want them here. Uh, there's a reckoning that has to happen. A reckoning, Judge Brack says, that's up to the American people. It's not my place to advocate. I just want to inform people about what I know. I read somewhere that you said that you presided over a process that destroys families. Yes, I've said that. A lot of people were outraged by families being separated, children being taken from their parents. And I'm not sure that people understood that in a different form, this has been going on as long as we've been enforcing our immigration laws. I pray that you take these stories to heart, that you consider these children. Over the years, letters to politicians in Washington seemingly falling on deaf ears. This one to President Obama about one of his defendants. In a particular gentleman who had come to our country in 1959 by invitation of the United States government as a participant in the Bracero program. At some point, he was charged with felony re-entry, and as I sentenced him to time served and deported him back to Mexico, he was understandably confused. He's 75 years old, he has no other criminal history, and today he was punished and branded a felon for doing the very thing we invited him to do at a time when it suited our needs. He will be deported within the next few days to a country he knows nothing about. Yeah, that's all I need to talk about that. Get me all fired up if I'm not careful. Does <laughs> it gets you emotional? Sure it does. I, sure it does, and that's why, um, uh, that's why I hope to be a part of a fix, uh, because I've been a part of the, of the damage for so long. A fix, he says, for a system still broken as the sun sets on yet another day in New Mexico. In Las Cruces, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. Next, why a change in presidential policies may be too late for a deported mom who hasn't seen her sons in nearly four years. This has been psychological torture for them. To stay up to date with Matter of Fact, sign up for our newsletter at matteroffact.tv. Welcome back. The Biden administration says some parents separated from their children at the southern border could be reunited in the U.S. or their home country. But immigration lawyers say sending the children back to a situation their family tried to escape is dangerous. According to the American Civil Liberties Union, under President Trump's zero tolerance policy, more than 5,500 children were separated from their parents or guardians. Roughly 500 still haven't been reunited. Our correspondent Jessica Gomez takes us to Juarez, Mexico, where she meets a mother who hasn't seen her children in more than three years. In the Mexican border city of Juarez, we meet this 37-year-old mother from Honduras and the U.S. attorneys trying to help her. I pray, I pray a lot. The former pastor, who is afraid to share her identity, fled her home country with her two teenage boys in 2017, after she says six family members were brutally murdered. My children were 13 and 15 at the time. The threats against them and my family were getting worse and worse every time. 
We left in a rush and we were very afraid for our lives. The woman and her sons crossing the border into the United States in New Mexico, where they asked for asylum. Instead, she was taken to a detention facility in nearby El Paso, Texas, and separated from her children. I haven't been able to see them since then. It's almost been three years, three months since I've seen them. This has been a psychological torture for them. Uh, the trauma that they have endured as a family is, is very horrific. The woman's case, her attorneys say, part of a quiet, zero-tolerance pilot program in El Paso. The Trump administration's policy, which became official the following year, resulted in thousands more children being separated from their families and sparked international outrage. By the time a judge ordered the U.S. government to reunite the families, the mother from Honduras had already been deported, her asylum case denied. I tried to gather as much evidence as I could so I could show to him, and he just deported me on the spot. The U.S. government, her attorneys say, argued that since her sons had been sent to live with a relative in Pennsylvania, reunification had already happened. The government's claim that reunification occurred because the child went to an aunt is outrageous. Attorney Lee Gallant led the ACLU's efforts to sue the Trump administration over family separation. While many families were reunited, thousands of parents had already been deported without their children. The ACLU and other nonprofits taking on the difficult task of finding them. We then got in the list of names from the government and it lacked phone numbers, addresses. We have been searching all over Central America largely without precise information. And on top of that, it's very difficult in Central America because of logistics, because of danger, and now we have COVID. The ACLU and immigration advocates applauding President Biden's executive order to reunite the remaining families, but say it should go even further. The reunification should happen in the United States, and every separated family offered restitution and a path to citizenship. We just have to make this right. The Biden administration, for these families and for the country and for the American people, has to make this right. Esto ha sido desesperante para mí. The mother from Honduras back in Mexico, alone and out of legal options. With the U.S. border just a few minutes away, it's the closest she can get to her children. Photos and phone calls for more than three years now, the only way to connect. For a mother, this is a very difficult and desperate thing, and I just want to see them again and hug them. In Juarez, Mexico, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. It's unclear right now if the mother from Honduras will be allowed to reunite with her sons in the U.S. since her initial asylum case was denied. Advocates are working with the president's task force to try to get her permission to temporarily enter the country. For parents or guardians who will reconnect here, the Department of Homeland Security says it will explore lawful pathways for them to remain in the United States. Next, landowners in limbo. Their property stood in the path of the border wall. President Biden paused construction, but the fight to keep their property is not over yet. Welcome back. 
When President Biden stopped construction of a border wall, it left landowners in legal limbo. It's a temporary move while the administration figures out how to permanently stop construction. For years, property owners had been fighting to stop the government from seizing their land for the border barrier. One family says they were likely one more court hearing away from losing their land. Jessica Gomez met with them nearly three years ago as they were just beginning to fight back. In South Texas, the Rio Grande River, the border between Mexico and the United States. The water right now looks like, uh, like glass, it's so peaceful. For the Cavasso siblings, the banks of the Rio Grande in Mission hold a lifetime of memories. It was my grandmother who bought this land at, at a time that women couldn't buy land, so my uncle and my dad had to sign for it. The 65 acres of former farmland is now dotted with small rental properties, income that helps keep the family afloat. We don't get rich off of it, but uh, help us pay the taxes and uh, the bills that we have. We have not received your permission to access the property. Now the letters are piling up at the home Lisa, a former teacher, shares with her disabled brother Fred. They're from the federal government requesting access to their property in preparation for border wall construction. The red area here is what they will take. The wall planned on the North River levee, seen here on the right, would effectively slice the Cavasso's property in half. They say trapping their land, animals, and riverfront properties on the other side. I would assume that my renters would not want to be here on the inside of the wall. The Cavazos, who welcome the near-constant presence of Border Patrol on and near their property, feel a wall here will do little good. If you can't catch them coming across, you know, that wider river, a wall is not, not going to stop them either. Their cousin, Ray Anzaldua, points to the border barrier that went up near his Grand Hano property 10 years ago. The former customs agent says at more than a mile from the actual border, it's created a no man's land. In essence, you're going to have a, a staging area for illegal activity, and, it, and, and it's just a waste of money. But Othel Brand says the barrier here that runs through the Hidalgo Water District he manages has reduced illegal traffic. He sent his employees to firearms training after he says someone crossing the border shot at them. I don't want the, that 5% element that's going to come across here that's criminal. I don't want people coming into my country illegally. I want them to follow my laws like I have to live by every day. We're farming the land that uh, my dad purchased after uh, World War II. Farmer Frank Schuster is somewhere in the middle. He's tired of the broken fences and drug drops on his border property. The day-to-day -day challenge is to uh, be able to, to stay calm uh, when you might have somebody running through your yard. But Schuster says more boots on the ground and technology at the border is the answer, not a wall. Both right and left, rather than trying to cure the problem, are using it as a club to uh, beat the other side up. And uh, we're just stuck down here dealing with, uh, with the issues. Issues proving to be complicated for Texas property owners. The Texas Civil Rights Project and others now helping landowners understand their rights. If you don't want the government, government agents on your property, surveying, measuring, taking soil samples, 
It's your private property. You don't have to allow anybody on it. We have determined that it will be necessary to file an action in federal district court. Unless there's a federal court order, which the Cavazos family has now learned is on its way. I grew up here. They see this as, as a bad place. It's not a bad place. A place the Cavazos say they won't give up that easily. The answer is no. And we'll fight it as long as we can for my family, for my ancestors. In Mission, Texas, for Matter of Fact, I'm Jessica Gomez. The Cavazos case is still going through the courts. Some landowners settled and received payment on President Biden's inauguration day, according to the Wall Street Journal. Permanently stopping construction is complicated because some sections have already been built and federal money is already spent or appropriated for the wall. To see this entire series, go to matteroffact.tv and search immigration. Still ahead, will climate change lead to millions of migrants seeking refuge in America? And a bike that can automatically help you steer clear of pollution? Now to a weekly feature we like to call We're Paying Attention Even If You're Too Busy. President Biden ordered a government study to see how the U.S. might respond to global migration due to climate change. Extreme weather is the world's leading cause of forced displacement. Think floods and droughts and wildfires that could lead to starvation. Weather events displace an average of 21 million people every year. That's according to the Center for Strategic and International Studies. It's usually temporary, but as we experience more extreme weather events, displacement could be permanent. Climate change is not the sole cause of extreme weather, but it's making the impacts worse and more frequent, according to experts. There are currently no policies that allow someone who's been displaced by climate-related disasters to apply for a visa, a green card, or refugee protections in the U.S. President Biden requested the study on climate change migration include possible options for refugee resettlement, and that report is due in early August. Still ahead on Matter of Fact, is this bike a GPS for your lungs? And finally, with spring officially here, you might want to get out and ride your bike more. Now there's a way to do that without choking on exhaust fumes. Cowboy, an electric bike maker in Belgium, has an app to help you find somewhat cleaner routes. Consider it like GPS for your lungs. Cowboy teamed up with Breezometer, yes, that's what it's called, a company that claims to measure air pollution using 47,000 sensors from all over the world. The map gives you a route to stay at least 16 feet away from pollution hotspots. Breezometer says it uses multiple sources of air pollution information like traffic patterns, millions of connected cars, satellite data, weather models. Routes can be planned with air quality as the most important factor and users can choose between excellent, very good, moderate, poor and very poor quality. OK, so don't choose the last two. Since the app leans heavily on car traffic, you might be able to steer clear of exhaust fumes on your own. The bike costs 2,900 euros or 3,500 bucks. And for that price, you might consider walking. That's it for this edition of Matter of Fact. I'm Soledad O'Brien, and we'll see you back here next week. Listen to Matter of Fact with Soledad O'Brien on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. 
Watch us during the week on FYI and Pluto.